Josh Allen. Welcome to the Hell of a Catholic Podcast. My name is Alex Carroll, Focus Missionary here at Georgia Tech. Welcome. And this is Jared France, the uh, Focus Missionary Junior. Focus Missionary Junior. Aw. That's so special. <laughs> well, Thanks, we are Alex. we are this week. Again, you know, there's no rhyme or reason to how we post podcasts, but uh, we record them in generally we kind of binge and record a bunch of podcasts at once. So this Thursday, we are having our first home football game uh, of the season. And uh, just throwing out there before we start our actual topic, which is quite serious. Anyone who has thoughts about your Uh-oh. first Georgia Tech uh, home game? Although Al- Alex mm. is returning, he's oh, seen pro. how this works. Yeah. Uh, but I we didn't have a Thursday night last veteran. year. Never had a Thursday night we didn't game. Have a Thursday game. But I'm That's really like, excited about it. We did. Do we have a night game though? Last year, I think we had the. Miami we did game. have a night game, but not yeah. a Thursday. Thursdays. That's a long tradition at Georgia Tech. Um, when I was here as a student, every year we had a Thursday, at least one Thursday game, um, and. Uh, they're just it's a totally different feel. Why? I don't understand. Well, because it's a Thursday. It's a totally different day. Yeah, but Every day has a, a different feel. Game, there's a standard tailgate. Every day has a different feel. All right. I'm ready for it. It's like if you got the underwear that you write the name of the weekend. I don't have that. Mm, Some people oh. do. You know, it's oh, a different feel. Totally different. It's a different I'm, feel each day. Mm, terrible analogy. Okay, it might not be a great analogy. I come to our Catholic tailgate, it's like underwear. Perfect. <laughs> 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 That's that's, yeah. And no, that's, let's hope that that was not actually true. <laughs> um, okay, so today's topic is uh, definitely a serious one. And uh, it might take a little bit to kind of get to exactly what we're looking for. But okay. essentially what we're talking about is why should someone not have sex with their boyfriend or girlfriend? Um the idea here is, I mean, we, we started talking about, are we going to actually do this as a podcast? And one of the things we brought up was, well, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I'm just going to kind of agree with everything that you say. Yeah. And <laughs> that's you right. Yeah. You know, that's, mm-hmm. and that, and that's good. I mean, and I think that's, I mean, I think a lot of people do agree with that. So I think we probably can have two levels of discussion. Okay. The first is what about people who don't necessarily agree? Agree with the church. Agree with that agree with the teaching. idea that it's it, that it's wrong and it's bad okay. and it's harmful to have sex with your boyfriend girlfriend before marriage. Okay. So that's the one level, and then the second level is people who agree, but they kind of do it anyway. Oof. Well, now wait a minute. People agree with all kinds of things yeah, all the true. time and true. do it anyway. Yeah. Do you just... agree that it's not good to gossip? Yes. Sure. Have you ever gossiped? Absolutely. Only, oh. but yes, <laughs> obviously, only about me, but still, right? So it's like people do things all the time that they don't think are good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So two levels like, of discussion. I feel like that second one though, that conversation is just like temptation, and I gave in to sin though. At that yeah, point. but, but, I mean, how are you going to talk to the person about it? I mean, yeah, I guess. How are you gonna? How are you gonna? help them to see that uh, that they do have this strength or to kind of figure out what they're supposed to do. So anyway, first half. Okay. Um, and maybe we won't get to the second half. I don't know. Maybe. But uh, good, good how question. about for those people who do not believe that there is anything wrong with premarital sex? Mm-hmm. Now, let me just throw half the parents in the world under the bus because most parents yeah. don't think there's anything wrong with it. And if they tell their kids not to do it, 
they always throw this caveat in. But if it's like, but if, but if you, you do, do yeah. make sure yeah. that you use you know a condom or, well, or, or make sure you get on birth control because we don't agree with premarital sex. But if mm. you're gonna do it, you know, make sure you're safe. Yeah. We're doing a okay, gun so, violence, but if you do, we're yeah, we're I'm not exactly sure. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not I'm not exactly sure that uh, that makes a whole lot of sense, but uh, definitely the message that you give to your kids when you say that is uh, have sex and use protection. Yeah. That's what they hear. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand parents always think their kids are smarter than all the other ones, but it turns out they're not. Yeah. Sorry, mom um, and dad. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So here's the question, but we get people like this all the time. I mean, I, I hear them, people mm. come to me and ask me this question. Uh, they know that they're not supposed to have sex before marriage, but they don't really see what the harm of it is. Yeah. And because they don't really see what the harm of it is, they might know that it's wrong, but they're not really convicted mm-hmm. that it's wrong. You know, it's kind of like you can be theoretically, uh, you can have a theoretical uh, commitment to exercise, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But unless you have this real conviction in your heart that this is something that I need to and must do and sacrifice for, mm-hmm. you're not actually going to do it. Okay. Uh, or the same way with a lot of things, That's right? That's a great analogy. Much better than your underwear. You don't like the underwear analogy? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking sex, like try to keep it in the kind of, you know, Oh, no. Oh. Okay. So, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, dear. This so. is what happens when you have a celibate talking about these kind of things. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Your question is, how do we tell someone who maybe theoretically knows something is wrong? How do we keep them... Well, how do you even approach it? Thing? How do you even approach the question? I think you got to start with the definition. I think you got to start with the definition of what does it truly mean to have a sexual relationship with someone. And I think you need to define, like, under what context should that relationship happen and why? Well, I think uh, I'll give you the answer that I think I hear a lot. Okay. And that is that... Uh, well, we love each other. We've Boom. been dating mm. for a month and a half. Oh, thank goodness. And, um, Happy anniversary. Well, now, hold on. Yeah. Hold on now. Let's, before we start, <laughs> before we start lampooning the answers, because <laughs> so some, some of them are worthy of uh, ridicule, okay? okay. <laughs> um, some of them are. But I'm, I'm serious. Like, these are real answers that I've got. That's well, true. We've been dating for two months, and we've been having sex for six weeks, you know? Um, and I don't really see what the problem with it is. Yeah. You know, how, how do you approach somebody like that? Because the thing is, you guys who go out on campus to talk to people, you bet. I mean, that is probably the majority opinion, mm-hmm. I would imagine, on campus. I'd say so. I'd say so. Now, how would you approach that? Tough issue to tackle. See, if they're a Christian, I think it's a lot easier. If they're not Christian, it becomes difficult. Because if someone doesn't believe in the Christian ideal, then like no real moral law kind of makes sense except for like natural law and even then explain that someone doesn't really have a lot of weight if they don't really believe in it um so so what's my scenario here well take the take non-christians off the table let's just talk about christians that's good so i'd ask them are are they practicing their christian faith i I don't know clearly not well do they think they are uh i'm sure they do Okay, so if they think they're Christian, but they're still doing this thing, which the Bible tells us is wrong, which uh, tradition all the way through, you know, now has told us is wrong, um, are they really living out their Christian faith? I'd call that. But I mean, is that the argument you're going to take? No, but uh, this is the conversation I would have with someone, you know. Okay, okay. I would lead them to this sort of So you take somebody that says that, how how about instead of, uh, I'm doing this and I don't really see why it's wrong, how about I'm doing this and I don't really see why it's wrong, and so I I don't really think the church is right on this. Hmm. That's harder. So how do you approach it? Go talk to a priest. 
Go talk to a priest. <laughs> Here's the thing. Go for it. There you go. Yeah. I will tell you this. Until we can come up with ways to talk about this mm-hmm. in a very kind of cogent and easy way that makes that, that we're comfortable with, um, this problem is just going to keep getting worse. Sure. You know, uh, I do think that establishing with someone the purpose of sex yeah. is an important thing. What's the purpose of the relationship? What's the purpose of sex? Mm-hmm. Right? If we can establish those things and someone can at least get to the idea that I know what I'm doing is wrong. Okay. Okay. Or I know, at least that I know what I'm doing is something the church says I shouldn't do. And then if we can get to the point where we can say, the person can say, I know what I'm doing is hurting me. You know, yeah. um, a lot of times the way forward for people who come to see me, now I see a whole different class of people who have problems with this, right? Mm-hmm. Because if they sure. come to see me about it, they actually they recognize yeah. that it's wrong and they sure. want to do something about it, right? That's good. Um, in my case, a lot of times you can make the case based on the other person. So I talk to the, folk, the people, I'm like, well, you know, what is the purpose of dating? Mm-hmm. And so I'll ask you the question, what's the purpose of dating? The overall purpose. Discern marriage. Every time. To discern marriage, right? Yeah. Basically, basically, and, and I'm not sure, yeah, to discern marriage to a particular person. Yeah. yeah so before sure. before yeah. you've started yeah. dating, <laughs> seriously, you should have already kind of. I just want to try this out yeah. to see if this is good for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just this whole marriage thing. Right. No, with that person. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, close so one. To discern marriage to a particular person. Now, does that mean that you have to be constantly, constantly like, over the top worried about is this person marryable every time you go on a date? Yeah. No. Does that mean that a high schooler can't go on a date because they're not 100% sure that they're called <laughs> to be marriage to, to be married? No, it doesn't mean that. But generally speaking, if you're going to have a serious relationship with someone, mm-hmm. it should be because you have now discerned that God has called you to be married. Yeah. And I'm now in a serious relationship with this person because I think this person might be the one. You know, generally speaking, relationships that fail in one of those two things tend to go the wrong direction pretty quickly. Not all the time, but they tend to go the wrong direction. If you have not discerned marriage and you're just dating for the fun of it, yeah. well, there's a lot of things that you can do with another person that are a lot of fun, mm-hmm. right? Oof. And if we're looking for fun, it's yeah. probably going to go that way. Sure. If you have discerned marriage, but you are dating someone with no real intention to find out whether this is someone you're supposed to marry mm-hmm. or someone that you can just have a good time with, yeah. right? Okay. Then both of those scenarios can lead to kind of negative results, especially in the in the sense of sex outside of marriage. Um, but then beyond that, so when someone starts dating someone seriously, this problem arises. Yeah. And the problem is, I begin to realize that I am supposed to marry this person. Right? Yeah. I begin to realize yeah. I am supposed to marry this person. And so like this <laughs> growth in love occurs yeah. in which this kind of affection or attraction that I have turns into something greater. Mm-hmm. And we would definitely say that, you know, one of the signs, one of the signs, it has to be accompanied by others, but one of the signs of a person being called to marry a particular person is that there is a sexual attraction. Sure. Right? Absolutely. Well, the problem is once that's kind of emerged, and then even better yet, once we've decided that, you know, it looks like this is the track yeah. we're on. That starts to get very tempting. Yeah. Extremely tempting because the thing is, like, yeah. you're made. Human beings are made to give their heart away. You're made to give your heart away. You're made for it. 
And you find the person in your life that you're supposed to give your heart to. And now we begin this like long process of <laughs> I'm going to try to give my heart to you without giving my body to you. Okay. Ooh. And it is an incredible conflict. It's an incredible conflict. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why most priests will advise you that if you are not prepared to actually get married within basically the next two years, you probably ought not to be in a serious relationship, generally speaking. So I, mean, I tell people that, you know, if they come and they tell me as freshmen that, oh, I'm thinking about dating this girl. It's like, well, what do you mean by dating? Yeah. Um, is it going to be like a serious thing? Or are you just going to go dancing and, or, you know, go to swing dancing? Or are you going to go to movies? Or, sure. or is this a serious thing? It's like, well, I don't know. I think it's just dating. Well, I said, that's fine. You know, but like when it starts getting serious, if you're mm-hmm. a freshman yeah. and you're not planning to get married as a junior, you are setting yourself up for either a lot of sin or you have to be a person of heroic virtue. Wow. Right? It's like one of those things. Like yeah, you're either yeah. going to wallow in sin mm-hmm. or you have to have heroic virtue. And if we're dead honest with ourselves, I people. don't know <laughs> yeah, many no. people that would claim yeah. that they have heroic virtue. Yeah. And again, it's about that heart, right? As we give our heart away and as we start to realize that this is the person who's supposed to possess my heart, mm-hmm. it just gets really hard. It gets really hard. I actually tell couples as they get closer to each other, I find out that people have gotten engaged. And if they're people that I know, I kind of pull them aside. And I'm like, okay, guys, you got to understand, like, you are going to experience temptation in this regard now mm-hmm. like you have never experienced before. Because now you know. Yeah. This is the person who I'm going to give my life to. Sure. Yeah. I'm going to give my life to this person in six months. <laughs> Not right now. <laughs> right? In six Shoot, months. I'm yeah. going to give my life to mm. this person. But I know this is the person I'm supposed to do. So so now I'm kind of, it almost feels like we're delaying God's will. Now, you want to talk about someplace that Satan wants to get in the middle of? Yeah. He starts to tell you, wait a minute, don't delay God's will. It's God's will. Yeah. Go ahead and do this. Consummate. Do all these things. And tons of couples, tons of couples who are engaged fall yeah. where they weren't, they didn't fall before. Wow. You know, it happens that's a lot, that's, right? That makes sense though. But that's the thing. It's like, once you realize, once you realize that, uh, wait, let me, let me give you the, an analogy from the gospels, right? So Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like uh, a treasure that is discovered in a field, right? Mm-hmm. And a man goes and sells all he owns to buy that field because he wants the treasure. Of course. It's almost like you've discovered this treasure in the other person. Mm-hmm. And you realize, i got to go and do these things so that I can have this treasure. But what the person does in the gospel is he buys the whole field. And the idea that's kind of generated there is what you want to do is you almost want to plant these large trees around it so that it's my field. You know, mm-hmm. that it that it... It's a place of privacy. It's a place that belongs to us. And what happens in that engaged period is it's this opportunity to really construct um, this life for the couple where they're able to really love each other in great intimacy, prepare for that aspect of their love that's going to be sexual, but yet not have it. And it's almost like the, the guy that buys the field, he's planting the stuff on the outside during the engagement, preparing the garden, if you will, right? It's like preparing this house for your love to dwell in. And it's really, really tempting 
for us to skip right over the preparation part mm-hmm. and jump right into the higgity jiggity, as Father Michael would say. <laughs> right? Higgity. I only say that because he just walked out of his room, <laughs> not realizing we were doing a podcast. <laughs> Hey, Father Michael. Oh, hey, Father. It's Father Michael. Hello. Uh, yeah. yeah, we are recording. <laughs> um, so that danger, that danger that comes once you are dating this person that you know you're supposed to marry, uh, that makes it extraordinarily difficult. But the thing, I mean, our original question is yeah, kind of more basic. It's, it's more basic than that. And, and listen, and it's not that... It's not that the question, it's not that it becomes so difficult that you can't overcome it. What I meant to say is that um, I tell couples, you almost have to have more rules with each other after you're engaged than before. You almost have to say, listen, we got to see each other less. Wow. The thing is, we know we're called to each other now. It almost doesn't matter how much you see each other. Hmm. You know you're called to be married. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, if the purpose of dating is to discern you're called to marry this person. Yeah, absolutely. Like after that. Right, I've now established it. Consider it discerned. Now the goal, yeah. <laughs> now the goal is to get married, and in the process, not ruin the marriage. Yeah, right. So not ruin the marriage during the engagement. Um. So before that, though, you get the folks who. I mean, I'm, it's not an uncommon thing. We've been dating for two weeks. We think we've kind of reached that level where sexual intimacy is appropriate. Um, why is that not good for me? I'm hoping the focus missionaries will actually say something. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. I thought that was a rhetorical Sorry, question. Just, <laughs> one of them is on a dating fast, and the other is just come off as dating nah, fast. We don't have to keep mentioning this. That's not something that should be publicized. You can uh, <laughs> you can email him at something. <laughs> uh, send him an email at podcast at gtcatholic.org. That will read it on the podcast. Oh, good. Send a love letter to yeah, Alex. Please don't. It'll be great. I will read it into the podcast, please. TJ's the only one who's going to write one. <laughs> um, <laughs> Why don't we give ourselves away so early in a relationship? I think it has to do with what what it truly means to like be like intimate with another person. Um, one, after two weeks, do you really know that person? Like, is this really the person that we're no, supposed to give away? Of course not. not. Like, absolutely not. So why are we going to like perform the most sacred of acts with this person after probably well, not even knowing the middle? Well, first, you don't think it's sacred. Okay. Right? There's a great place You to just use the word sacred with something that people do not consider. Oof. Right? Sorry. Already, cart. There's the horse. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so I guess that's a great conversation to have is why is sex sacred? Like, why is that meant to be only between a man and a woman in a loving union that's open to life? Um, That's a good conversation to have. Yeah. It's a tough conversation to have. Well, I'll tell you, the way I generally approach it is this. You tell me what you think about it. I would Um, love to. (laughs) I generally approach it as I ask people, I ask them, what's the purpose of marriage? And I'll ask you that. What's the purpose of marriage? For me, I know the purpose of marriage is to, one, have a lifelong companion, but more importantly, to create a family, um, to reproduce, to get each other to heaven. To get each other to heaven. I like that last Ooh. answer. Get each other yeah. to heaven with your companion, but also to be open to you know making a family. Well, here's the thing. Your marriage may not be lifelong. You want a lifelong companion. You could get married, and your spouse could die a year later. Okay, well, Does it mean you shouldn't get married? Debbie Downer. I guess well, wait a minute, though. That's really right? Does it mean yeah. that, you're, that you shouldn't get married? Uh, no. No. What if you marry someone and you find out that you can't have kids? Should you not have gotten married? Nope. Okay. So if you're looking in your marriage for a lifelong companion Get to or for kids, you're looking for one of the accidents of marriage. 
Okay. Right? It's not. uh, Okay. When I say accent, what I mean is. (laughs) In some cases. What I say. There are some I was an accident, actually. (laughs) That's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) That's a great conversation, by the way. When your parents get mad enough at you that they say that you were an accident. Oh, no. Oh, gee, that's terrible. I remember when that happened. Oh, my God. Next, <laughs> next podcast, we'll cover that. Yeah, we can talk about my sad life as a child. Deep-seated <laughs> Another, yeah, yeah, Exactly. No. Uncover. Okay. Crack that nut open. So the point of oh. marriage is to get your spouse to heaven. And to go yeah, get exactly. to heaven with your spouse together. Exactly. That's that. the essence. That's what's essential. Okay. When I, said, when I said accident before, what I meant is something that often happens in marriage, but it's not essential to what marriage Side is. Side effects. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and the essential thing is that to get your spouse to heaven, we could probably say it in a different way, right? That this is the person to whom you are called or, or yeah, to whom you're called to give your life. And we all know that it's only by giving our life away that we will make it to heaven, mm-hmm. right? No one gets to just be a selfish bachelor their whole life or a selfish bachelorette their whole life yeah. and get to heaven. It doesn't work that way, right? We all have to give our life away to someone. And... Married people are called to give it away to a person here on this earth. Marriage is about giving that life away and about getting to heaven and assisting your spouse to heaven. And so I always ask people, I'm like, do you believe that? Yes. Okay. So then what's the purpose of dating? And then they usually have gotten it by this point. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, probably to find somebody to marry. Okay. And so let me ask you this. If the purpose of marriage is to assist your spouse to heaven... Do you think what you're doing is assisting your girlfriend to heaven? And you can kind of see, or the boyfriend for that matter, right? Yeah. And you can kind of see the face just melt. Ooh. You know, like, oh, wow. You know? Somebody asked me the other day, how do you talk to somebody who's not a believer about what they're doing? And mm-hmm. how do you make them realize what's good and what's bad and whatnot? And I said to him, I said, well... You know, a lot of this stuff is just natural law. You don't have to believe in God to believe that you should respect other people and mm. you know reserve certain things for marriage or some sort sure. of commitment, whatever. And uh, I said to him, well, you know, you ask him, would you be proud to proclaim to the world that you've done this? You know, would you be proud to proclaim to the world that you've done this? And would you feel like that would be respectful of the people who were involved? Whatever action it is. Mm. You know, if you wouldn't, I'm not talking about would you be ashamed if someone found out, right? Because there's all kinds of people who have sex with all kinds of people Mm -hmm. who wouldn't be ashamed if anybody found out. They'd all probably maybe be a little bit proud. But would you proclaim it to the world? Like, you know, look, I did this. Look, look what a great action this is. Mm. Look what a role model I am for you. This is what you should do. If you wouldn't do that, you probably ought not to be doing the action. Generally speaking, no matter what it is. Yeah. You know, and you pretty much have to be a psychopath before someone's going to say, oh, yeah, I had sex with this girl. We're not married. We're not committed to each other. This is a great thing. I'm proposing it to you as what will make you happy. I'm proud to proclaim that I had I had sex with Susie Q, and she's proud for me to proclaim it. And we think it's just great, and we think you should do the same thing. There are people out yeah, there like I'm about that. To say, now there are people like out there like that, okay? But there are very few. Now they're noisy, they're noisy, mm-hmm. but there are very few. Really? Very few. 
feels like culture wants. I'm not talking people. about they'll tell some people. I mean, they will propose okay. it to the world to the grandma. You know, because the thing yeah. is, people who get married, not only will they propose it to the world, but they wear a symbol on their fingers yeah. mm. to propose it to the world. Right? They say, "This is who I am. I am the spouse of X." I mean, they wear that symbol. They're willing to proclaim it to the world. Mm-hmm. And if you're not willing to do that when you get married, that's probably a problem. Yeah. Okay. I'm getting where you come from. I think it's uh, this conversation obviously requires um, a greater level of uh, uh, kind of personal intimacy to be able to speak to someone about. Definitely. Um, I will say this, though. Even if you're a part of an organization, whether it's a fraternity, sorority on campus, or a club, or any other kind of group, even if it's just a group of friends, one of the other temptations that we have as uh, Catholics, as Christians, is to hear that somebody's doing something, to know that somebody's kind of sleeping with their friend or whatever. And because the group seems to approve of it, we either don't say anything or we almost kind of tacitly encourage it. Yeah. And the funny thing about it is, and I remember, you know, when I was here, I was in a fraternity, and I remember the same thing happening. You'd have people who were, uh, who were, you know, they, we all knew that they had uh, a girlfriend um, who they were sleeping with, and you'd kind of encourage them, mm-hmm. right? And the kind of sick thing about it is, especially now as a priest, I know that almost all those people who are encouraging them don't actually believe what they're doing. Yeah. That's the effect of the crowd, you know? Dang. That the mob will cause all of these people to do something that they would never do individually. And the funny thing about it is, it could be the case that in the crowd, there's really only one person who actually wants to do it. Wow. And everybody else is yeah. opposed to it, but because everybody else is yelling for it, we all kind of support it. It's amazing how just one voice can make a difference. Yeah. That's very true. I'm just curious, what brings about that like neediness to like assume like so like you're giving the example of fraternity. What brings about the need so like I'm a fraternity brother. I know my brother's doing this. Maybe like nine of the ten guys in the circle think it's wrong. What brings about the need and like those nine guys to say, "Yeah, man, go for it." Like, Fear of rejection for you. Yeah, so, this, of so it's just a surrounding culture of that that says this. This culture says this is a good thing. If I don't jump on that culture train, I'm, I'm out of here. Right? Yeah. yeah need to Gosh. fit in. You know, the uh, I'm sure I do that all the time. I think the biggest problem in human beings today, uh, probably maybe the biggest problem ever. I mean, I, I, this is the era that I live in, right? Sure. Is that we don't love ourselves enough, and a lot of people would probably say, "Well, maybe we love each other. Maybe we love ourselves too much, right? <laughs> yeah. That we're all so prideful and vain and this, that, and the sure. other." But I mean, real love. Yeah. I don't mean the kind of fake vanity and this, that, and the other. I mean, to love ourselves enough to realize that we're all valuable. You know. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I say, I actually heard another podcast recently. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I can't remember which one I heard. But I heard somebody say it, and I was like, this is awesome, because I've been saying this for years. Um, <laughs> it's like, I've been validated. Yes. Um, I remember my mom used to say, right? Not that I listened to her that much, mm-hmm. but I remember she used to say to me, she used to say, all girls are lovable. All girls are lovable. She's like, you spend enough time with any of them, and you will fall in love. Mm-hmm. So... Don't just depend on that. It's got to be something more. And my mom used to say that because my, my parents got divorced and she was trying to kind of like convince me that that's not enough. There's yeah. got to be something more to it. You sure. can't just let yourself overlook other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
it's true though you know all people are lovable like all the girls are lovable and all the guys are lovable and if they spend enough time with each other they will fall in love that's the way that works the problem is you get so many guys who don't think they're lovable Mm -hmm. and so many girls who don't think they're lovable and they find somebody paying attention to them and they'll do anything because to have that attention and to really feel loved for that first time you know yeah people are lovable they really are if i could if i could change one thing as a priest if there was only one thing i could change it would be for everybody to realize how lovable they really are you know not just how much they're loved by god that's like a that's like a second step. It's almost like mm-hmm. before you can realize that, you have to accept that you're actually lovable yeah. as you are. Not that you have to change anything. You're lovable as you are. You know, God wants you to change some stuff, but as you are, you're lovable. It would solve so many problems, so many things that we do because we don't feel like we would be loved otherwise. It's a mess. At any rate, now that we've uh, depressed everybody... Ugh. Uh, This is the Hell of a Catholic Podcast. If you have questions, comments, uh, concerns, suggestions for other podcasts, this is actually uh, fulfilling the suggestion uh, we received from someone in an email. So um, if you have other suggestions for topics, please let us know. Podcast at gtcatholic.org. Thank you for listening. God bless.